Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome back to Canucks After Dark, 10 p.m. on Mon- or Tuesday, not Monday, Tuesday, May the 10th, one day late. Hope you are all doing well. My name is Parker, and as always, joined by my co-host, uh, the bowling phenom, Canuck Clay. <laughs> How are you doing today, Clay? I'm great, Parker. Thank you and all the viewers for indulging me. Uh, this week, it was me. I actually had a hockey game last night. I don't know why I shouldn't have even showed up. And then, so thanks for doing Canucks After Dark tonight on Tuesday. But yes, I had my best bowling night of the season, including my second highest game ever at 235. So I can say I outbowled my weight by 50 pounds for once. So which I was very happy about that. Nice. Yeah. That's thank a, you. Thank that you. Was a big success. Um, I have done nothing uh, today. Uh, so... I think we're in a, we're, we're a good mesh. You deserve um, that once in a while, Parker, you work very hard. I know that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> no, I, I am busy right now, but, but things are good. Mm-hmm. Um, and things are okay for the Vancouver Canucks. Not too much news going on this week, right? We are into the off season. We're in the playoff season, all that good stuff. Uh, Clay is going to, going to spend some time talking about some Canucks related things, right? Jim Rutherford, things along those lines. He had a yep. press conference last week. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the draft lottery, which I, for the first time that the Canucks have been involved in a draft lottery, I didn't watch it really because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, well, I was, I was working, but also yeah. I was like, I didn't really, I wasn't too worried. I was like, Oh, 1% chance something changes. Yeah. Am I going to, am I going to waste my time for 1% chance? Probably not. Uh, so that happened. Um, so I guess we're going to have to start looking 15 spots down the draft boards, um, <laughs> which is going to be exhausting, but fun. Um, as we look at who might join the roster in four years, uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, I must admit Parker, given your, your penchant for doing good and timely live streams, I did log on my computer around three 30. And the first thing I did is I went to your channel to see if you're actually streaming today. Did you even have a thought about doing it? I was busy. I was at work. Yeah. I was at the yeah. office. Couldn't uh, couldn't get it done today. Oh, you're back uh, so in the office. A couple times a week. Okay. Um, so so today cool. was one of those days that I had to be there um, yep. for the whole day. So I, I couldn't get it done. And again, I I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't like, oh no, I'm gonna miss them winning the draft lottery because that's a thing that's literally never happened before. Um, yeah. So that is okay. And um, the win only gets them up to five. And I know we'll talk about that later. But yes, which would have been nice. But that's not like yeah. a, a huge franchise changer uh for the most part correct um clay you're gonna you're gonna be in charge of the first topic tonight what are we uh, what are we talking about here i've got for the first time i've got no banners so we are going we're going bannerless all right bannerless i can make them if i wanted to but i don't think it matters all that much yeah uh so clay where where are you taking us well let's do let's go for a ride parker to press conference town and last show was on the monday night May the second, I believe, was the date. Then that was the one day after that uh, the Canucks held their media availability, and we heard about Besser and Kuzma. And we dissected all of that last week, and I and I made the hot take that Bruce Boudreaux would sign an extension by this episode. <laughs> A lot of your predictions are really good. That one, I even say that one at the time was pretty good until Jim Rutherford, our president, and Patrick Alvin, our GM. They sit down in front of the microphones and the media on Tuesday, and they said a lot of good things. They preached, uh, you know, that they they don't think that the team's that far away. They like the way the team performed in the last two thirds. But here's the bombshell, Parker. It depends if you call it a bombshell or not. They flat out said 
Jim Rutherford flat out said he is not going to sign Bruce Boudreaux to an extension. We know that Boudreaux's contract was one year solid. That was last year. And then both the Canucks and Boudreaux have an option for a second year. The Canucks have basically told Boudreaux, we want you back. So they, for that one year, the second year. So they basically exercise their option to say, yeah, we will sign you. But Boudreaux has not said that he will sign for that second year. And he has until June 1 to do so. Here's the tricky thing. If he does not sign that extension by June 1, he can go to any other team. He can't negotiate with any other team before June 1, but he can say, no, I'm okay. I see that opening now in New- on Long Island. I see that opening maybe in Philly. So that's the tricky part. And last thing, and then Parker, I'll let you, uh, you know, weigh in on this. They acknowledge that Boudreaux was great for the city, for the team. The players love him. They, but they hinted at structural, I don't want to say problems because they didn't use the word problems, but they did say two things. They want to see Boudreaux with a full year, i.e. training camp preseason all the way through a full season. And I, I respect that. And they also said they want, they're not so sure about the structure that the way the team is playing with our lack thereof. So Parker, you hear all that. I know you, you watch it yourself. What were you thinking on that day? It's risky. Yeah, it is a uh, it is a risky move, and, and and the reason it's a risky move is because there are a, a real chunk of teams that would really like to have Bruce Boudreaux behind their bench and can afford it. Um, yeah. If if five hours ago Toronto didn't come back uh, against Tampa Bay, they might be involved, right? Yeah. You have you have Vegas who who underperformed this year. Uh, like you mentioned, there's a new coaching vacancy in Long Island, which is uh, which um, you know t- made me a little bit confused, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, there's competition, and the problem is the only leverage the Canucks have is, yeah, you've sort of ingrained yourself in Vancouver culture a little bit over the last few months, and you know some of the guys, but the Canucks are saying, hey you still need to prove yourself. You need to come back for one more year and you need to show us that you deserve this long-term big money extension. Well, there's some other franchise that they've probably seen enough, right? If I'm, if I'm a, a franchise like Vegas, who is, uh, who's maybe trying to uh, rejuvenate their, their roster again, especially with these high offensive guys that just aren't producing, right? Like a Jack Eichel. Um, you know, they're maybe thinking, well, we're investing so much money in, in guys like Jack Eichel. Maybe we should invest money in a guy like Boudreaux to get the most out of him, uh, at least offensively. Um, and, and, you know, what's stopping them from saying, yeah, we'll give you, you know, you want three years at $6 million, $5 million a year. Sure. We can do that. Right. That's, that's a, a pretty small portion of our bottom line, right? It's, it's 5% of the salary cap uh, effectively. Right. Um, you know, it's it's a pretty small, it's a pretty non-significant amount of change uh, for NHL teams. I think it's going to make your team better. Um, so there's other places that now have a lot more leverage because because we're talking about a guy who is in his mid to late 60s, who <laughs> is now being who could either stay for this one more option year and maybe what's what maybe a million two million dollars. I don't know exactly what the numbers are, yeah. uh, with no financial security after that, or he could go to any number of places who will put a briefcase of $15 million on the table, $20 million on the table and say, Hey, do you want your, your children and your grandchildren to be set for life? 
you know, you want to basically double the money that you've made in, in your career um, over the next few years. Cause you can do that here on teams that are just as close, if not closer. Right. Um, I feel like the Canucks are, are really betting on themselves that they can afford to not give him money. If that makes sense, which yeah. is a risky thing to do because I know, I know if someone came to me and offered me, you know, three X my salary and I'm locked in for a few years <laughs> at that rate and I'm guaranteed, you know, three X what I make, I'm putting in my notice tomorrow. Right. And most <laughs> people are right. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a crazy difference. Um, so I, I think, I think it's a very risky move if he's very confident himself and he's willing to bet on himself and he wants to stay in Vancouver and he says, yeah, I can make this team a playoff team next year. Or, or at least very a very good team next year, and they will give me that money next year. He can do that, but man, it it seems uh, I I don't know if if that's the direction I'd be leaning. What do you think of the the talk or the suggestion that they want to see more structure, whatever that means, practice, defensive game, offensive game? They did they did actually talk about Parker about their their trouble breaking out of their zone. So I'm sure they were ignoring Quinn Hughes in that equation, but maybe you're talking about the other five defensemen on the ice. So that's one thing they talked about. So what do you think of that comment about structure? It's a fair statement. Um, The team defensively isn't good, um, but I'd say look at who's on the ice, right? I mean, the the personnel there, um, the the structure didn't get better from green to Boudreaux, like defensively wise. Um, you know, chances against were basically on par uh, in the first 27 games. They were the last 55. Mm-hmm. Uh, Demko played a bit better, which helped. Uh, and then the offense was much better, right? Um, that's a double-edged sword, right? You can say, yeah, you know, if we want more structure, but is that going to lead to less goals, less offense for you? Um, and it's sort of, you. I mean, we, we, we're going to talk about Barry Trotz a bit, but they're exact <laughs> opposite ends of the spectrum, right? You have Barry Trotz, who is all defense, all structure. We will turn, in, in his case, the fourth worst defensive team in the NHL to the best defensive team in the NHL in a matter of a year or two. Wow. And then you have Bruce Boudreau, who says, I will take a Travis Green-led team that cannot score a goal and yeah. turn them into a, a top half offense in the NHL, right? You can't yeah. have both, typically, right? If you could, you'd be the best coach of all time and you'd win, you know, you'd win the President's Trophy every year. Uh, if you could <laughs> if you could get all the best of your offense and then all the best of your defense all at once uh, to somehow merge together, it, it just doesn't happen. Now, yeah, I get why you'd want more structure because it's scary to have a, a fast and loose team. And you look at those Pittsburgh teams that, that Jim Rutherford and Alvin were, were a part of, mm-hmm. right? And and they are they're a structured team, right? They're not a high flying offensive team. They got guys. They got Crosby and Malkin and lately Gensel and and guys along those lines. But they weren't, you know, they weren't winning every game six to four uh, on their way to the cup, right? They, uh, I I think back to their their cup final against Nashville, right? And they just they just dominated them. And even though the games weren't blowouts, they just they just flat out outplayed them every game, uh, mm-hmm. and it was an easy series. That's I think what they're looking for. But I think you need the personnel to do that. And, and I think that's, you know, I don't think they've been put in a spot where they have that personnel because uh, this, this defense isn't very good. Yeah. And I like Jaskin's point there just from uh, ten, uh, two minutes ago. One thing that Rutherford or Alvin said, I think it was Rutherford, he said that we're relying on their goalie too much. And obviously, they we are blessed here in having a goalie with having a goalie in Thatcher Demko who signed for the next four years. 
four years at $5 million. And if you get Spencer Martin for under a million, so you're paying your a very solid, and we talked about this last week, a very solid goaltending tandem for under $6 million a year. That's that's awesome. For a cap-strapped team, you need that. But you still don't want to be tiring. And look, look what happened to him. Demko was not himself for the month of April because he's likely suffered an injury at the end of March because they were playing him so darn much. Yeah, no, it's it's totally fair, right? Yeah. Uh, you you put the Edmonton Oilers goaltending goal tandem in um, for the Canucks, and it's an entirely different story because that structure isn't there. Yeah. Um, it, so yeah, you need you, you can't afford to ride a guy, you know, sixty five games a year anymore. You know, yeah. this isn't the this isn't Mika Kip, Mika Kippersoff from the mid two thousands, right? Where you can play him <laughs> sixty eight games and he'll win, you know. 38 of them right sure it's just that's just not the world that we're that we're in anymore um you know goaltending has gotten so advanced with with the the moves that goaltenders are making and the canucks have historically or at least under ian clark have uh, there's one thing with the pads where they do the 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 inside pad vertical and the outside pad down when they're on the post and apparently it's very strenuous on goaltenders Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, if you, if you're trying to get a guy to do that 65 nights a year, uh, you're going to have a bad time. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it is a fair point. Uh, again, you have to somehow find a way to balance that, um, with having a guy like Elias Patterson going from doing nothing for the first 40 games of the season and then getting a career high in points. Right. Right. That that's, that's a balance you have to somehow strike. Uh, and it's much easier said than none. Right now. I know. Actually, I don't know you to be a gambling man, but if you had to bet, Parker, is Bruce Boudreau coaching the Canucks next season? Yeah, probably. If you gave me even odds, I'd probably bet on it. Yeah, I agree um, with you. I agree. But with you. I'd probably be 70 30. Um, <laughs> I'm not super, super confident. I mean, yeah. The, the problem is, I mean, for the Canucks, they've said they want to keep them but they mm-hmm. haven't really committed. Right. I mean, they said, yeah, we'll, we're picking up his option or whatever. They didn't maybe necessarily say that, but they've yeah. committed to saying, Hey, it's in his court. Right. Yep. But they haven't, they haven't put the money up, right. That, um, that some other teams might demand And by the way, Adrian Kempe, beautiful goal. LA wins at five, four, ah. uh, and takes game five in the series. Uh, just a minute into OT. Uh, we, we do like to see it. Speaking of goaltending issues, uh, Mike Smith, not happy. Um, yeah, they, they, they haven't put their money where their mouth is. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and they could have, you know, they could have put $10 million on the table and said, Hey, yeah. you know, here's some, here's some stability. Here's some, yeah. you know, you're not a lame duck head coach, uh, so to speak, yeah. um, where other yeah. teams could offer that. And the problem is you, you lose Boudreaux. Who, who are you going to get? Go get right. Um, Barry Trotz. I mean, three yeah. weeks until June 1st. What are the odds Barry Trotz hasn't been called by eight teams already, right? Another guy with no neck. Go from Boudreaux to Trotz, yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, would I want Barry Trotz? Yeah. Yes and no, right? <laughs> yes, he would probably make. He would probably turn this team into a really good hockey team. He's one of the best coaches out there um, alongside Boudreaux, seemingly. Um, yeah. But it wouldn't be as fun <laughs> as, the, as the Bruce Boudreaux era, but... Yeah, it's uh again, yeah, I'd say he's probably behind the bench next year, but uh, again, I wouldn't be surprised and you said he can't he can't negotiate right now prior to June 1. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he can have a friend of a friend <laughs> say, "Hey, I've heard 
I've heard the Vegas Golden Knights are 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 looking for a new coach and they sure. and they're willing to spend X amount of dollars, right? It, it's so easy to do stuff like that that I'm sure he knows. I'm sure he he's 100 aware of what he could get elsewhere. Yeah. Um. And it really comes down to you know is he wanting to you know risk that to stay yeah. here? There's yeah. been some signs uh, towards the yes. You know the the Kuzmenko uh, interview yeah. process was was a part of that, right? Yeah. Um, that he was apparently part of the courting process for mm-hmm. Kuzmenko. Um, yeah. Yeah. But again, right. That's one guy, you know, we've seen guys get lied to before. We've seen Shapachev in, in Vegas get lied to and end up leaving for Russia after 10 days uh, playing for Vegas. Right. It doesn't mean all that much. Um, so we'll see. I would agree with you. I, if I had to bet, I would say that Bujo is back here. I would say not even begrudgingly. I, I have kind of a feeling if he's still like, he's not a spring chicken. He's I'm old and he's 20 years older than me, Parker. And I, I we, everyone knows I'm 25 years older than you. So just, I that, thought you going to stop your sentence there. Yeah, everyone Boudreaux's... knows I'm 25 years old. I would have gone along with it. You had an out. Oh, thank you. So Bujo's 45 years. Anyways, whatever. Um, I, I could see him doing one more year and then upping his value even more, even though I'm sure you're right. His value is high right now. And maybe then he's, he goes to another team, if not the Canucks for two or three years after that. So all to say, no, that was good. Um, we, we weren't worried that we weren't going to have any Canucks talk. We spent a good 15 minutes on this because it's, it's, it's fascinating. And it's got, it's had people talking for this entire week and not just people in Vancouver, the Elliot Friedman's and Darren Dragers of the world. Everyone's talking about this because, and then yeah, Barry Trotz gets, gets fired by LA, uh, by, by New York. And he's a guy who can coach with structure, as you mentioned, uh, a heck of a lot of structure, especially on the defensive side. Yeah, he he turned the Islanders around. Uh, yeah. You know, I think he had something like a 637 win percentage in his four years as Islanders head coach. Wow. He misses, he misses the playoffs in a year that they didn't play a home game till the end of November. Right. They didn't mm-hmm. have an arena. They had COVID mm-hmm. issues. Uh, and they and they missed the playoffs. They were out of it. They were basically out of the playoff race by the time they played a home game. Remember when we were looking at the Eastern playoff race? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Like, oh, there's already a 10 point gap between eighth and ninth. And that was like yes. November, December. Um, yeah. They were out of it all year. That's not that's, you know, part of it might be on the coach. Yeah. Maybe you could have your guys better prepared to to play all these to play 17 road games to start your season. Yeah. But that's a pretty tough thing to do and to and to come back from and battle back from. So. I don't yeah. know. I uh, it is crazy that he's on the block. I think if the Canucks had some way, again, they're sort of locked in for the next three weeks. Yeah. Um, but if that became an option and they somehow pulled him uh, again, I'd be a little worried about some of the offensive players. Right? We've seen the struggles of of Barzal, especially yeah. in yeah. New York. But I mean, you can't deny the record, right? Um, yes. And yep. I mean, you know, if if this team's winning games, even if they're all three two or, or two one, uh, I'm still gonna be pretty happy. Awesome. So let's let's touch on two quick Canucks things for the next ten minutes, and then we'll spend the last twenty minutes or so talking about the NHL playoffs. But let's give a shout out or rec- recognize Justin. Thank you for the generous five dollar donation. Just finished watching OT. One loss closer to McDavid trade request. Kings win. Thank you, Justin, for your support as always, and. Um, I wanted to mention um, Dexter, who last Monday, he told us that he's going to try his best to get here. But with the switch in the day, <laughs> he said he's at soccer that ends at 10. Then we said, we'll stream two for your three minute drive home or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if Dexter showered. A good thing we can't smell him from here. But Dexter, thank you for your 
great effort. And thanks to everyone who ended up finding us somehow. The numbers are starting to pick up maybe because the game's over. People are figuring out and remembering that we were uh, doing Tuesday instead of Monday. So thanks to all of you uh, for being here. Okay. I got two. You guys remembered that it was Tuesday instead of Monday. Monday, I'm impressed because yesterday at uh, like 7 p.m., I texted Clay. I was like, wait, are we doing it tomorrow? Because I didn't remember if last week we had done it Tuesday. I have no sense of time at this point. Um, but I, we made it and that's, We're good. Uh, that's the most important part. We're good. Two more quick, uh, Canucks topics. Let's do, uh, dates, key dates, and then the Abbots for Canucks. So key dates, the Canucks did announce via press conference that they, uh, you know, typical stuff. We know that the drafts on July 7, 8, then they have their prospects camp at UBC. But the biggest thing, well, a small thing is the the return of the Jake Milford golf tournament, which I volunteer at every year. Parker, I'm going to try and get you in with me because you, you yeah, are, I think, a pre- yeah, there. let's do it. A training camp in Whistler. So that's normal, a two-day camp. But Parker, the return of the Young Star Classic in Penticton. Rumors are likely the four Western Canadian teams, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg. Does that excite you? Even if we can't go, the fact that they're putting it on again. The pro- the only thing that doesn't excite me is that the Canucks don't have many young stars. <laughs> they don't have ma- they're not going to have a ton of representation. Uh, right. I don't think. I mean, could be a good little road trip opportunity up to Penticton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Potentially, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be up there. I think. I can, what a live I can, show! Wouldn't that be fun? I can pull some strings to uh to Ooh. have a place up there. So. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe make something happen there. Mm-hmm. Um, no, definitely. You know, uh, yeah. Their their key dates. They're doing all their scouting meetings right now. Which is such a weird thing to have on the key dates list. It's like, are you not, are you not meeting at other times, like <laughs> you know, the week before the draft? Only, oh, it's so only key. two months yeah. out, and then they're so done. Key. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so prospects camp at UBC, free agency yeah. July thirteenth, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, um, Young Stars Classic, which is nice to have back. Uh, I know. Yeah. I think they had issues with some of the other teams, maybe not wanting to do it, um, right. for whatever reason. I guess it costs money, probably, but it's yeah. a fun event. Um, it builds, uh, builds some excitement. Prediction is a good place to do it too, because you do have, you know, you have obviously lots of people from here, especially late September, sort of getting one last vacation and you got lots of people from Alberta up there too, yeah. in the interior. So, you yeah. know, it just sort of makes a lot of sense. Um, so that will be, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Cool. And before we get to NHL playoffs, let's talk about AHL playoffs. So I don't know if you saw because of the imbalance in the in the number of teams in each division, it was like some divisions had this kind of playoff format, other divisions had this kind of. It's weird. Yeah, the, in essence, Abbotsford tied with Bakersfield for four or five, so they had to have a little best of three uh, to figure out who the actual four seed was. Where every and, game was in Bakersfield. <laughs> yes, Bakersfield had all three games somehow, and they only needed two because they won the first game in OT. And then they won the second game by basically one guy cross-checking our guy into Spencer Martin <laughs> with I a minute to it. go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a very short-lived playoff run for our Abbotsford Canucks. But despite that, Parker, would you call the first season for the Abbotsford Canucks a success? Yeah, I don't think the success had anything to do with On Ice product. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it had to. Um, they, I went to two games, um, yeah. and they put on a, a fun atmosphere. Uh you know, they for most of the season it was fifty percent capacity. But you know, mm-hmm. I went to I went to the first game after the fifty percent capacity was lifted, like the same night, um, and it was like seventy percent full because I think they had to scramble to sell some tickets. And it was a fun. It's a fun environment. Uh, it's a pretty decent deal. I mean, I got I got uh, I got tickets for free, but I think you get in for like thirty bucks for a decent seat. Um, yeah. Food's not super expensive. 
um, you know, all in all for, for 50 bucks, you can have a pretty fun night out. Um, especially mm-hmm. if you're, you're in the Fraser Valley. Uh, and I think that was the most important thing. Um, they've, they've, there, there were true Abbotsford Canucks fans there, which was yeah. a weird thing for me, you know, being, especially the first game I went to like two months into the season, it was like, Oh, there's people with like, like Sheldon Rempel Abbotsford Canucks jerseys. And it's like, and they don't, they don't, they were people that didn't really follow the Vancouver Canucks. Like it was such a weird, yeah, such a weird uh, juxtaposition there. But I think that in all is a success. Um, mm. You know, it's, that's great for them to, uh, great for them to build that fan base. Obviously we saw um, having players close by was useful yes. a couple times. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it was a success for sure. I agree with you. Um, the fan base was good. The building, the identity, and the brand was excellent. The fact, yeah, even though the uh, the quick playoff exit, but we saw not only the development of Lockwood, Martin, Rathbone, who I think will get a good shot next year, as we both talked about, but even some of the the veterans, the the two Sheldons, uh, well, more Dries, Nick Patan, Di Giuseppe, uh, Bailey, Dowling, all these guys got some time, so... Um, I, I've heard people actually say that the Canucks were deeper this year. Sure, those aren't like the highest level players ever, but at least they can slot into an NHL lineup for a two, three game stint here. And they don't look out of place as opposed to previous years where you're like, who is this guy? Or why didn't they call me up? I'm, you know what I mean, though, obviously. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was a good move. Um, yes. And again, I, I don't think on ice success matters that much. It's the mm-hmm. AHL. You know, the, the organization yep. is not there to win Calder Cups. They're out there to win yep. Stanley Cups, although not well uh, in the historically. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. it was a, it was a, it was a good run. Yeah. And, and let's uh, do one last. Oh, sorry. Please. No, let's do one last connection thing and then we'll go to NHL playoffs. Jaskarin was asking a couple minutes ago about OEL. So, you know, uh, we got to be careful that we don't take everything we hear as, you know, for sure. But. Elliot Freeman did make a point that the Canucks might be trying to find a market for OEL. He's got some trade protection. He might want a bigger role. He might not. He might want, though he knows he's going to be firmly entrenched as the number two on the left behind Hughes. So what do you think of this? And do you think his contract is movable at all somehow, some way? It's the NHL. Less um, target. Um, No, I, I mean, so the, the, the the quotes from Friedman basically saying I think the Canucks are trying to find a market for OEL, but he does have control. Right. Um, right. That contract is an issue, um, and we're yeah. talking about a player who was fine this year. He was pretty good. He was a pretty good defenseman for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, yeah. However, he's what 30, 31? Do you know the? Yeah, actually, I have it right 30? here. I, have I think Canucks. he's thirty. So probably 31 next year with uh, five years left on his deal. If I'm not, yeah, mistaken. he's 30. Yeah, you're right. Yep. So five years left on five years left on his deal. The Canucks are paying him, you know, seven million bucks a year. Um, the Athletic had his market value at 4.4 million dollars, which was you know second highest on the team, which is great. Um, but do you think it's going to go up next year? Do you think he's going to get better next year? You know, I I, I think. Yeah for how good Ekman Larson was this year. And he was a solid, he was like a good number three defenseman it is sort of where I, where I'd pencil him in at um, four years from now. I don't think it's going to be the case. I think yeah. he's, I think he makes too much money and there's the intangibles of what he brings to the room and all that stuff. But man, it's uh 
if they have a way to move on from that contract, they need to do that. Um, yeah. Because I, 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 I've said it a lot, but in a league where a salary cap sort of, there's a hard salary cap that governs all, the team that mm-hmm. is the most efficient with that money will be the best team, right? Yeah. Every team has the exact same boundary to play by, and that is the $82.5 million a year that they're going to have next year. And whatever team can get the most out of that $82.5 million, doesn't matter how many picks you have, doesn't matter X, Y, and Z, how many years are on those contracts. You know, it's whoever gets the most value in a year um, or goes $20 million over the cap into the playoffs. Um, if you're Vegas, well, they didn't make the playoffs, which is funny. Um, then, uh, then yeah, it's whoever, whoever has the most value um, makes it. And having, you know, whether it's if we're trusting this model, $3 million of excess value on OEL, $4 million of excess value on Tyler Myers, yeah. $1 million of excess value on Tucker Poolman. Um, Luke Shen made up for it, uh, with like two million dollars of positive value, but yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're losing like $8 million of your salary cap in inefficiencies on defense. Yeah. Um, and you're making up for that in some places elsewhere, right? Right. Uh, Alex chase on was, was a net positive. Uh, Vasily Pod Colson on his ELC is a net positive. Neil Niels Hoaglander, even, even though he had a bit of a down year, still he's Mm. making a million dollars a year. It's a, a net positive. Tanner Pearson, a net positive. Connor Garland, a net positive. Elias Pettersson, a net positive. All these positives on the on the forward side, and they're all just getting thrown away on the defensive side um, by all this uh, by all this wasted money. And yeah. Jason Dickinson. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like one of my ex girlfriends. A net positive. Thank you, thank you. I was working on that one for a bit. No, okay. Just <laughs> okay. We'll um, but I was going to say, do you remember? I know. I know we're going to pull these stats out on a, one of our even slower than this uh, episodes where we both looked at Ekman Larson's points per game for his career. Oh yeah, exactly. At one point every two games. So that's a, that's 40, 42 points from for sure. 29 points, but he did have a stretch. This, that was after a horrible slow start. He had a stretch of seven points in seven games at the end of March and uh, basically 11, yeah, 11 points in 12 games or 10 and 11. So, not bad near the end of the season. We need more of that, obviously. And I, yeah, maybe it came with a bit more power play one time, actually, when Hughes was out for a bit. Yeah. And again, yeah. you can't bank on it, right? Yeah. That's not, yeah. That's not the Oliver you're getting for the next, you know, 350 games right. over the next five years. It, it just right. isn't. Um, unfortunately, sure. I, I wish, right? But yeah, probably not. Cool. Okay. Let's do this. We got, uh, so tonight we're going to wrap up uh, between quarter two and 10 two because, uh, Parker's so good to me. I have to get to uh, another appointment that starts at 11. But I want to ask you, Parker, prior to the start of tonight's action, six of the eight playoff series were actually in uh, tied 2-2. So we had the sweep, Colorado over Nashville 4-0, and Pittsburgh up over the Rangers 3-1. But every other series was tied 2-2. I was a little bit surprised because when I see first round, yes, it's the best hockey of the playoffs, but often you'll see one or two sweeps and at least a couple five or six gamers where we could see almost half of these things. We could see three or four series go to game seven. Uh, I don't know about you, but oh, I was I quite surprised. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I went onto the score app today just to be like, Oh yeah. What games are on tonight and when? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, every single one says they're tied to two. That's yeah. awesome. Right. Like, yeah. Again, I don't care. I don't care that I said, um, you know, Florida in five or that yeah. I said Calgary in four, that doesn't matter. Uh, whatever their predictions, who cares? Um, I want to watch game six, game seven hockey. That yeah. That is the most, the most fun hockey that exists. Uh, and the fact of the matter is 
um, you know, on May 12th, on Thursday, there's going to be four game sixes uh, in three, two series, right? There's going to be, and, and if you say every game's, let's say a 50, 50, then we're getting two game sevens out of that potentially, maybe three, maybe four, maybe one, but that's fine. Right. You know, I, it's very feasible that Minnesota wins the next game. Tampa Bay could easily win the next game over Toronto back in Tampa. Um, Edmonton could take a game off LA and Boston could take a game of Carolina. These series have been so, so close that it, I mean, if we somehow by some miracle got, got four or five game sevens out of this first round. Yeah. I mean, that's just what I live for. That is just so, so exciting. Uh, I mean, did you watch, and I guess you were, you were at bowling. Did you watch any of that Toronto Tampa game today? All I know, man, is I was driving to bowling and I was two, nothing Tampa. I get there and it's two, one fine. I go get my stuff. I come back after a bite and it's 3-2 Toronto. Like, what's going on? Yeah. So I got home at the start of the third period. Yeah. And I just watched the third period. What I mean, what a fantastic hockey game. It was I, good it was, hockey. It was good it hockey. Was, it was phenomenal. Um, awesome. Both teams were seemingly fighting for their lives. Uh, yeah. And that's that's what that's what the playoffs are about, right? Um, I, think, I think it was Drance who had a tweet. Um, that was, and I don't remember exactly what it was. I'll see if I can find it really quick. Uh, but mm. he said, uh, oh my God, he tweets so much. He tweets <laughs> so much. Uh, he says, bottle that game, mass produce it, sell it everywhere. You just won't find a live sports entertainment product that can compare with the speed and the emotional swings of an NHL playoff game like that. And, oh. uh, someone's like what I would give for a Canucks game like that one. <laughs> it's it's kind of sad, right? We haven't had yeah. that in in so long. Um, yeah. you know, 11 years basically. Yeah. Um, but if we get more hockey like that, um, and I am a happy customer. And in particular with this series, Parker, I think before this, wasn't it four or you call them blowout? So there there were one-sided games for sure. Uh, I I remember mm-hmm. yeah, a couple three, four, four goal victories. So to have a game go down on the wire uh that that's good and yeah i bowling we didn't have the sound on but i could see i could see the the maple Leafs fans going crazy i it looked like a really really good fast game and i saw the tweets about people raving about how good the game was yeah it was fantastic uh mm-hmm. even this kings and oilers game uh was just exciting uh yep. back and forth troy stetcher goals in back-to-back games uh what a hero oh. love to see that wow um, so yeah we uh I mean, yeah. So, I mean, we got, oh, is there only three games tomorrow? How did they mess the schedule up? Oh, yeah. No, because the ones are sweet. Never mind. I'm dumb. <laughs> I thought they did some like three game separation or three. To yeah, separation. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tomorrow, I mean, Pittsburgh can close it out tomorrow, which yeah. would be crazy. Um, Shesterkin's been off for, for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh is just showing that, you know, Stanley Cup pedigree that they have uh, historically. Yeah. Um, this Washington, Florida series has not gone how I expected. Oh, it's crazy. Um, you know, Florida was so, so good in the regular season and they just can't get anything to go now. Uh, Washington's battling hard. Yeah. And then there's that Dallas Calgary series, which is uh, an absolute snooze fest. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. We can have, yeah, we, can uh, have we can have one, one bad yeah. series out of out of eight. That's okay. Yeah, the People that pick flames in their hockey pool, they're not very happy just yet, but if they win the series, then all will be forgiven. Um, so of the of all the series, give me two that you're really interested in, and give me two that you're I think I know one of the two that you're not so interested in, but give me give me two of each. I am I'm I mean I'm dialed in to this Toronto Tampa series. Yeah, me too. Um, 
And it's not because I want Toronto to lose. I kind of do. I kind of don't. Uh, honestly, Toronto plays such a fun style of hockey that I just want to watch them play more. So if they yeah. win, I'm fine with it. But it's, it's just been an, been an awesome series so far that I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm I will watch the last game or two of that for sure. Um, mm-hmm. That's the only one that I've watched really religiously. Um, yeah. You know, L.A. and Edmonton, you know, that game I watched just now was great. I will probably watch the next one after that. Yeah. Um, for me, honestly, it's just I'm just excited for game sevens. Uh, yes. I have I have no interest in this Dallas Calgary series unless it goes <laughs> to seven, um, because, again, they they there are two teams that are so good defensively and so yeah. bad at everything else. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is uh, it is a fun time of year. And, Boston and Minnesota might get knocked out. Right, uh, right. Great. That'll be good. And Minnesota, St. Louis, that one, St. Louis won tonight. So they're up 3 2. Well, someone had to go up 3 2. You know, those aren't the two sexiest teams, but um, that one's destined to go to game seven. Like, I would uh, argue they're two of the least sexy teams. <laughs> well, did I, just, I say sexiest teams? No, you, you, I know you said not the sexiest, but I said they are the least. Uh, oh, the absolute least. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I mean, Tarasenko had a natural hat trick in the third, apparently today, which is great. But wow, um, yeah, Kaprizov's, no, it's exciting. Yeah, and he scored twice tonight. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, but yeah, I mean, those are the only two interesting players really on on <laughs> those true. teams. And that's again, fair. if that's it fair. goes to seven, it'll be fun. But and I mean, I expected, um, I expected Minnesota to, uh, yeah. to to win this one fairly handily. Uh, yeah. It hasn't gone that way though, uh, which is yeah. surprising. Jaskarin, by the way, why don't you answer this one as the hockey player? What's a natural Hattie? Uh, three in a row for the same player, basically. Um, he scored, it was 2-2. He made it 5-2. <laughs> <In the third laughs> period, he scored the third, fourth, and fifth goal for St. Louis um, to win that game. So here's a question. If, let's say, he scores three in a row for St. Louis, what happens if there's a Minnesota goal interjected between any of those That's two goals? That's just a regular hat trick then. Ah, so it's got to be three think, in a row. I think it's no... got to just be three in a row. That's yeah. the, that's an intro. The... Okay. Very cool. Very, very cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. I, Toronto Tampa intrigues me. I think uh, LA Edmonton does intrigue me, especially given that their games are quite close now. Dallas Calgary doesn't intrigue me. And you know, uh, Boston Carolina doesn't really intrigue me. Uh, uh, Same. Carolina, I have a bunch of people, p- players picked in Boston. I do want to see lose, but uh, yeah, I, although, although that series did start off very feisty. I remember it's the feistiest series of all of them, but yep. may, maybe it was feisty today. I don't know. Or yesterday. You know, I didn't watch today's game. It, today, it, today. I watched the game on Sunday Yeah, because um, it was early. I think it was like a 930 start, which was yeah. nice. I was up. I was like, oh, there's hockey on. That's great. Um, <laughs> and that was that was actually a really good hockey game. Um, yes. But again, I, I just thought I want Carolina to win, obviously, but I'm not like so interested in it. I don't think either of those teams is is winning at all. Mm. Um, you know, I think I think they're gonna run into Tampa or Toronto or yeah. and and have some trouble. Um yeah. but I mean yeah it's uh I, I'm happy Carolina's pulling ahead there. Right. And maybe maybe the timing oh let, yeah let's figure this out. I think the timing of next Monday's show won't that be right after the first round ends? Yeah it'll be exactly two weeks after the first round so technically if they play every yeah Correct. It's too late. When's the now. last game sevens? When's the last game You're, sevens? The NHL scroll bar doesn't go that far. Uh, I can click all the way to Sunday. There well, are tomorrow. no games scheduled for Monday. So yeah, Saturday will be one set of game seven. Sunday will be the other. Awesome. 
So we will do, my point is we'll do our second round predictions on that day. We can, at least we'll have some content. We can revisit our first round picks, but um, are you suggesting then the winner of Washington, Florida is not going to get through the winner of Tampa, Toronto? I think they're going to be up against it. I I, I think if the Panthers had been handling Washington a little bit better, I would have, I would have said, okay, they'll make it interesting. I think Tampa and Toronto are both playing at uh, such a, good high level right now um uh, that i think i i think this should be this should be round three <laughs> like yeah. this is yeah this is a, a heck of a playoff series and it, for me it's an it's an argument both for and against the current playoff structure right yeah. i love that this is a first round matchup we're getting um but this feels like it should be the conference right. final um right. and it very well could have been if we were doing the right. one through eight sure and one might say that Minnesota and St. Louis are just playing to see who gets creamed by Colorado. Because not only did Colorado decimate Nashville, they are getting four or five days of extra rest now. <laughs> A little week of vacation. Um, I think it was Bruff who tweeted, like, yeah, they just go to Cabo for a week. And <laughs> wow. <laughs> reset. Um, yeah, Colorado made that series look so easy. Uh, they are they are so good. Uh, I did predict them in four. Oh, very good. Did, didn't we? So you're already didn't up. You? And you, you know, did you, you say in number five? No, I didn't pick any sweeps. Yeah, I said five. Mm. And you might get Toronto over Tampa. So I'd have to make, and that's the only series that we differed the winner. So I might have to make, try and make some hay on some games. But if you got that Colorado one, that's going to be tough. Kill McCarr is a problem. Speaking of Colorado, okay. He genuinely is so good. Oh, <laughs> did, did you see his goal yesterday? No, his, not uh, yesterday's goal. Two one goal. It is the most precise, hardest wrist shot you'll ever see from the point that just wow. goes through everybody and, and hits the top corner. He is, and he has he had three goals in that series. He had more points than the Nashville Predators had goals in that series. Um, <laughs> he is, I mean, he scored about thirty. He scored twenty eight goals this season as a defenseman. Uh, he is, I mean, he, he's just, he's a top three player in the NHL almost like he's yeah. getting, he's going to be there in, in a year or two, if not now. Yeah. Um, it is, yeah. uh, it is absolutely to have to shoot at 12% to have an 11.7 shooting percentage as a defenseman. When most yeah. of your shots for a defenseman come from the point. That's so, that's so absurd. Now remember voting, voting for these awards was done before the playoffs started. So does McCarr. He's not going to win the Norris. Yeah, yes, he's not, right? It'll be Yossi. But, but he might win the Consmite. Right. right. That's my hot take of the week. <laughs> yeah. Kale McCarr wins the Consmite trophy. Yeah. Um, so just write that one down, somebody, and, and we'll see where we end up. I like that. So we both agree that Yossi will likely win the Norris over. Oh, yeah. He had like 95 points this year, didn't he? Or is yep. that just his number? No, that's right. Yeah. So what do you think of the Vesna, Markstrom, Saros, and Shesterkin? It's got to be Shesterkin. Yeah, he, I agree. He dominated. Um, Mark had a bunch of shutouts, but yeah, no, Shesterkin, I mean, was... I, I think he, I, I saw a stat for, like, goals saved above expected, um, which is a good way to... Um, I'll just go GSAX. Let's do this. Um, I, I think he's, like saved 30 something goals above expected uh, i'll pull it up here 34 goals saved above expected over the course of the season um so every game he was saving two-thirds of a goal 
more than expected. So basically, he earned the Rangers a goal in two of every three games. Um, <laughs> what? It's crazy. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's such an absurd high number. Second was Vasilevsky at twenty eight point four. So he basically was six yeah. goals higher than Vasilevsky um, wow. in ten fewer games. Is Demko on that list? Uh, Demko was eleventh, ten point five goals saved okay. to have expected, which is great. Oh, it's just wow. not Shesterkin level. Uh, Marshall okay. was tenth, yeah. by the way, basically the same as Demko. Okay, so we both agree that Yossi will win the Norris and that Shesterkin will win the Vesna. So yeah, yeah. Next week we'll have some more award finalists to to mull over as well for sure, for sure. So I got to get going in about two or three minutes. Should we do? Should we dive into some questions and then just see what happens? Yeah, let's do it. A couple quick All right. Ones. Let's do it. You're in charge. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> Justin's from just now. Faber reporting there's another Elias Pettersson in mid to late rounds that Canucks could draft. Have you heard of this kid? I haven't. Uh, I've heard the name. Yeah, okay. he was uh, he was playing for, I think, Sweden in the World Juniors. Okay. Um, and I think I saw some graphic where someone used the picture, like a picture of Elias Pettersson. From the Canucks, as like a, because <laughs> they would just probably Google the Lee's Patterson and copy and pasted a picture in Photoshop, which I thought oh, was funny, funny. But yeah, he's a there's a player there. That's funny. Okay, so there's a and there's that Emil. I know not related, but there's that other Patterson guy that plays too. Um, let's see what else do we have here. Um, oh, Jarhead, are you guys in favor? Just from right now, are you guys in favor of re-signing Troy from Richmond as a UFA? Right shot D man, would you bring him in on cheap? I would bring in any defenseman. <laughs> at this point you, you yeah is he going to be better than 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 tucker pullman no probably is he gonna be better than brad hunt probably yeah uh yeah. yes i will take anybody um by the way i didn't uh when i was talking about this la edmonton game i hadn't looked yeah. at the money puck deserve to win o meter uh oh they have um so first off i'll tell you the shots on goal uh, if I can find them really fast here. Sure. Shots on goal were loading, loading 43 to 28 in favor of LA. So LA was probably the better team. What do you think the deserve to win o meter was after a thousand simulations of this game? Uh, what what was the first stat you said right before that? The shots were 40 or yeah, 40 something to 20 something, 43, 28 for LA. Yeah. Okay. So that was um, a better and team. And it's out of a thousand, you said? Or out of a hundred, hundred percent. Oh, I see. 96.3% <laughs> of the time LA wins this game, simulation wise. Expected goals. You know, we usually talk about expected goals. They usually end up being like three and a half to three or something like that, yeah. right? Pretty normal game. LA's expected goals tonight were 7.66. Seven. And Edmonton's were 2.75, which is why so that gap is so high. It was a five goal difference in expected goals at all situations. Um, which is uh wild. So Emily Edmonton just delayed the inevitable. They event. they just hung on basically, and they have Leon Dreisaitl getting three points and okay. keeping them in it. But that's fair. Parker, I'm gonna let you wrap things up. I have a date at my church to get to, so um I'll let you do the formal wrap up. But thanks everyone. Mm -hmm. I think we're back next Monday, but I'll let Parker uh, talk about that and confirm with me later. Sounds good. I'll wrap it up. Thank you. Clay. Thanks, brother. Enjoy Thanks, everyone. All right.
All right, 11 p.m. on a Monday uh, or Tuesday, and Clay's got places to be. Um, we will wrap up, though. I will say thank you guys very much for joining us tonight here on Canucks After Dark. If you missed any part of the show, feel free to rewind back to the beginning, um, or you can find it on your favorite podcast platform in a matter of about 20 minutes or so. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Clay's not here. I can list them all. Uh, Overcast, Pocket Casts. Um, there's so many. It, just Google Canucks After Dark. You'll find it. Uh, you guys know the drill at this point. Um, I hope you all have a good week, a good night. Um, you know, by next week, you know, we should have all of these first round series will be done. We'll touch on those. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. If you haven't already hit the like button, uh, leave comments. You guys, you guys know how this stuff works. Uh, so I'm not going to tell you anymore. Um, I'm going to go to bed, have a good night and we will talk to you next week.